Hey citizens, it's uh, good to be back with our teaching again this week. Um, as all of you know, we are a brand new church, and so uh, there's a lot of things that we get to pick, and you know things that are outside of scripture um, when it comes to the service or how we run uh, citizens itself. And one of the things that's um, important to us and something that we're going to practice on a regular basis, and we've talked about this before, is preaching through books of the Bible. Um, there's you know there's different ways to preach in church. Some churches do topical. Um, others do uh, just here and there, kind of jumping back and forth. Um, we are choosing specifically to teach through books of the Bible. And there's a really important reason behind that. We believe that the Word of God uh, speaks to every area of our life. And um, so teaching through the book of the through a book of the Bible um, is going to take us to places that maybe we're not always comfortable going. Um, it's going to cover every area of life. Um, I think there's still times where maybe we need to like pause in a book and, and hit uh, a theme specifically. But for the most part, preaching through the books of the Bible um, allows us to go into all topics of life, whether we're comfortable with them or not. And so it's really fitting actually this week that we're looking at Acts 10, where God brings together uh, Jews and Gentiles and is pulling his church together as one body. And uh, this idea of all people coming together as one church, one body, uh, it comes out like super clear in this passage here today that we're going to look at. And man, much of the world is still kind of reeling and trying to process and understand the tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the racism in especially the United States, but around the world here in Canada um, that we uh, have seen over history and that we know exists has kind of um, come to the, to the top of everybody's minds. And it's all over the news and it's all over social media. But even more than the racism, we, we live in an extremely divided world. And we live in a world with um, different tribal groupings and there's this camp and that camp and there's left and right and and there's a lot of um, people digging in their heels and and lots of information and talk in different places and so it's into this place um, into a world of injustice um, into a world that is fractured that we come to uh, see here in our message in acts that God's vision is actually for people to come together, to be unified in Christ, and for God to um, build a global church that crosses all boundaries. And so we have been consistently coming back to Acts 1.8 as like this, this base, this foundation for us. And in there we see that, that Jesus is saying that he wants to build his church and he's going to start in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what we've been seeing throughout this whole book of Acts. And so God's view is that this would be a multi-ethnic, this would be a vast grouping of God's people all over the world that would be unified and would come together in, in unity under the name of Jesus Christ. And so today we get to look at how that happens through the story of Cornelius and Peter. Two um, 
unexpected people that God would use to actually um, clarify this message of being unified in Jesus Christ for God's purposes and specifically through his church. So leading up to this uh, passage in chapter 10, this long section, um, God is actually preparing Peter. We're not going to have a chance to look at it, but I'd encourage you to read the end of chapter 9 where Peter has these amazing experiences of healing and seeing the power of God work. And um, I don't know if you've had a time like that where you've gone through like some sort of preparation. I think of Liz and I when we were uh, younger back in the day when we were preparing to go to uh, the mission field. We went through this thing called Jungle Camp where we um, came together and we practiced living outdoors. For six weeks, we built this little hut structure. It's kind of like a home made out of sticks and plastic and lived out there and it was more difficult than what we were used to. It wasn't meant to replicate us living on the field, but it definitely prepared us for something difficult that was to come and got us thinking and asking God to help us. And and these stories in um, Acts 9, at the end of Acts 9 for Peter, are exactly that. Their preparation, because what Peter is coming to here in chapter 10 is going to be really difficult for him to take in. And we're going to be um, reading big chunks. I'm going to be reading a lot of the passage today um, so that we can just take our time tracking through the narrative and seeing um, how God prepares Cornelius and Peter and the believers to, um, to receive this message of a unified church. So let's begin in chapter 10 by reading the first eight verses where um, we we meet this person named Cornelius who God is going to use. So it says this in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and say to him, Cornelius, And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here we meet this man, Cornelius, who is a military man. He is a centurion. He's used to being over like a hundred soldiers and, and telling them what to do, giving them orders. You can see that he does that here really quickly. You know, he kind of gives people orders what to do. Yet at the same time, And I think it's amazing to see this soft and tender heart toward God in someone who normally would think, you'd think of a soldier, you'd think of someone who's hard and able to go through battle, especially, you know, 2,000 years ago when battle was really difficult. But here we see this description of Cornelius, the soldier, yes, but also a devout man who was um, not necessarily like uh, what we would see as like a fully... Uh, you know, fully-fledged proselyte, like he's not trying to become Jewish. It says later in chapter 11 that he's not circumcised. So he's not, you know, a proselyte, but he's definitely 
a believer in Yahweh. Definitely a, now he's not necessarily a Christian, but he believes that that God uh, exists and he is really interested. He's going to the synagogue and he's, he's giving to the work that God is doing through the Jewish um, saints there. And he is curious about God. And you could, you could easily see him on different days or different nights. Here we see him even um, praying. We could see him like looking up to the heavens and saying, man, God, are you real? God, would you speak to me? Would you show yourself to me? Um, would you reveal yourself to me? And this is Cornelius. And, and I don't know about you, but, you know, there are people around us who have thoughts like this. There are people around us who actually want to hear from God. And here is one of them. Cornelius is this willing servant and God speaks to him. And God says, Cornelius, I'm going to, I'm going to, send someone to you because you are seeking me and I have heard your prayers. And what's interesting here is that God is the one who's doing this. Throughout the book of Acts, we see that God is the one who's who's stepping out and doing the work and he is the one who is reaching out. Now this is this is a simple but extremely profound truth that God is the one who's at work. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 say this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The prophet here, Isaiah, is saying, man, God, you are, you are so different than me in terms of the way you think, the plans that you make, what you're doing behind the scenes. We are humans. We only see a little bit. As we grow older, our eyes are open to deeper realities and we gain more wisdom. But here, again, in this instant, as, as God wants to show to the church that we are all one in Christ, he is unilaterally working. He's working through Cornelius. And man, if we have trouble with the idea that God can work and move people and that God can do as he pleases, that he is sovereign, man, we're really going to struggle with the scriptures themselves. We're probably going to struggle with God's work in our own lives um, because God sometimes often does things very different than what we would think they should go. And that's because his ways are so much higher than our ways. And, and Luke knows that this is such an important thing that God is doing. And so Luke in recording Acts, like if you look at your scriptures, there is there's over 66 verses given to this story alone. And it gets repeated twice in there. So one time we get it narrated to us and then another time Peter is saying the whole thing over again. So Luke is taking a lot of time, a lot of ink and paper to, to show us you know, this truth that God is bringing these two groups of people together for a specific reason and um, that he is doing this for his purposes. So God prepares Cornelius, but then at the same time, in a different location, he also prepares Peter. So look at chapter 10, verse 9. It says this, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, those are the, those are the um, servants that Cornelius had sent, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance 
and saw the heavens opened, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. You see God working there again. I have sent them. And Peter went down to the man and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is this reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to, to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. Man, so, so the people that Cornelius had sent through God's prompting come to Peter right when Peter is seeing this vision that he is trying to, to work through and he's trying, it says that he's perplexed and he's wondering. You know, three times in this vision, we see this sheet coming down, this big four-cornered sheet it talks about. It's full of all these different animals and all these different animals that Peter knew from the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus 11 goes through and talks about them, how those animals were not to be eaten by the Jewish people. And so Peter refuses. He says, man, God, I am not, I've never eaten those things because those things are unclean. And in Peter's mind, you know, Jew following the law, that's clean. Gentile not following the law, eating whatever they want, that is unclean. And God pushes back. God pushes back. Look at verse 15 again. It says, And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. So what is God beginning to show Peter here? God is saying, man, what what I'm saying now is clean. Don't you call unclean. And so what Peter is starting to get in his mind is that this is not just about the animals. All right, the animals are there, but they are symbolic of human beings. They're symbolic of people who Peter would have considered um, unclean. <clears throat> Peter would have considered them people to separate from and not to be close to, not to be in contact with. And so here, God is saying, man, Peter, this is a, a new thing that I am doing, that those things that you call unclean or common, do not call them that anymore. They are clean. Now, Peter most likely knew that God was building his church with Jews and Gentiles. Like Peter had preached messages, we saw them earlier, and Gentiles and Jews were saved. But 
maybe in his mind, um, in his wildest dreams, he thought, hey, God is going to do a thing. He's going to build his church, but there's going to be like this Gentile wing and there's going to be this Jewish wing. And now God is saying, there's a new thing happening here. This movement of a, a new church that is being built is a global movement. This is a thing that Jesus is bringing Gentiles and Jews together. And so look at the response when Peter goes, we see in verse 25, it says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him. So Peter goes, the, those servants say, man, our, our boss, Cornelius, um, he wants to meet you and talk to you. He's had a vision. And so Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. So like Cornelius has his family, has friends there. He's like, you have got to hear this. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone or another of another nation. So Peter's saying, you, you know how crazy this is for me to even be sitting here with you. But Peter goes on and says, But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So he, so when I was sent for, I came without objection. Man, Peter's like, I, I have understood now that, and he doesn't go into the details of his vision, but he understood that the vision wasn't about the birds and the animals. It was about people. And so he came willingly to share with them the gospel Verse 34 affirms this. It says, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Like it's starting to make sense to him. Then also in verse 44 and 45, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And um, Peter brought these, these Jewish followers with him so that they could see this as well. And as he preached the gospel, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and they put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And they are, in a word, stunned. They cannot believe this. And so the thing that Peter had been preaching all along He's seeing now is not just for these two categories of people, but brings them together. So what he did in Acts 3 and 4, preaching to the, to the Jews there and also to Gentiles, he sees this is actually God's vision. This is the future of the church. And it's actually something that has always been there. You know, Paul Reese says this, The gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It is an announcement. It is good news. And that is what Peter is doing here. And, and God uses um, this amazing story, this, this centurion and Peter and this, these visions that they both have to bring them together, unified in one body, one church. So what's the response of others? In chapter 11, the first few verses, we get a glimpse of the reaction, especially of the Jews that were hearing this going on. So, I mean, if we're honest, most of us would say that we are naturally, 
Again, if we're honest, most of us would say that we are naturally self-centered. We, it's easy for us to stand up for our own rights. It's easy us to stand up for our own safety, for the things that we know and what we're comfortable with, what we belong to. It's super easy for us to do that. Um, we, if you have kids, you see your kids, you, they don't have to be taught that. They naturally do that. They often, when they're playing, they will wrap all their arms around, their two arms around all their toys because it's theirs. They are self-protective and we are naturally like that. And so when the Jews hear about what Peter has done, their first response is fear. Their first response is criticism. Look at chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. It says this, So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So this is their first response. Those that are of, it calls here the party of the circumcision, the religious people. They're saying, Peter, we heard that you were with a bunch of Gentiles and that you were eating with them and that you're with these unclean other people. And so Peter explains and he goes through and tells the whole story of what God did and what God did to Cornelius and to those that he shared the gospel with. And the criticism that Peter experiences early on is not something that's just going to go away. We see it coming up in the New Testament. We see it throughout history. We see it today. We even see it in our own lives. And many of us have um, weaknesses and have hang-ups when it comes to different things that can divide us. Um, right now, kind of biggest on our mind would be you know race relations. And uh, Dave... Briscus in his message on Acts kind of has four areas of difference that often we can be hung up on and we can be divided on. The first, like I was just saying, is ethnic differences. You know, we can easily separate along um, multi-ethnic lines. So these people go with these people, those people go with those people, everybody's kind of camped out. And we can find it hard to cross cultures or to cross differences um, because we're not used to things, we're uncomfortable. And again, we want to be like self-preserving. And so whether it's, you know, with uh, in Canada here, especially with First Nations people or with black people, or maybe it's even across um, different religious lines, we become uncomfortable and it is a hang-up for us. It's a struggle. Maybe for other people, it is economic differences. And so maybe we're tempted to separate along economic lines, those who have much and those who have little. Um, the divide between the rich and the poor in our world, honestly, is just growing. It's growing on a global scale, so between countries, but it's also growing even in our own Canadian society so that rich people and upper middle class are more separated from those who are in poor or in struggling circumstances. Um, man, questions like, are we willing to give things up to enter into relationship and to enter into the body of Christ that crosses economic lines? You know, when's the last time we were able to spend time with someone who's in a different space than us? That's, then those are hard questions for me to even ask myself. 
Maybe it's a uh, third one would be like demographic differences. You know, what's the, the, there's lots of different uh, demographics of those who are single or those who are widowed or those who are married or those who are married with kids. Are we um, breaking across those types of boundaries as well? Or are we showing people the family of God that is one, that we are all meant to be together in relationship, no matter you know our differences. And then lastly even, and, and maybe this cuts close to home for you, is doctrinal differences or different types of churches. You know, are, are you the type of person that criticizes and belittles other churches who take stances maybe on like secondary issues? Now, I'm not talking about like differences of gospel issues, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying like people who have the Holy Spirit but understand certain aspects of Scripture differently, do you still have a connection with them? Or is this, this temptation to be divided or separated there? How we respond to these types of hang-ups that we have um, is directly dependent to how we respond to what God is doing in our midst and directly connected to the gospel. And I think it's so amazing to see how these believers responded. So they criticized Peter at first. They're questioning what God is doing. They are they're setting their boundaries, protecting themselves. But here's the response in verse 15. It says this, of, this is chapter 11. As I began to speak, this is Peter talking, the Holy Spirit fell on them. This is on Cornelius and, and those who were listening, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, man, listen to this. This is so important for us to hear. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Man, when they heard this, they fell silent. They were like stunned. Wow, this is what God is doing. God is bringing these people together. But not only did they fall silent, they glorified God. They said, thank you, God, for doing this. Even as difficult as it was a message to accept in, they said, thank you, God. They glorified him. And then they got to work. They worked towards this goal. It says that this is what they said. Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance. Like then this is the plan, man. This is what God is doing. And so they move forward toward building this, this unified church under the banner of Jesus Christ. And man, brothers and sisters, this is what our calling is as Christians. You know, you, people can debate this all over Facebook and all over the place on, on the right way and the wrong way to respond to race relations. And some people have these theories and that theories. As believers, we have clarity actually. We have clarity that in the church, around the world, we are called to be united across any type of dividing line under the name of Jesus Christ. This is God's design. This is God's wish. And so, you know, God has been building his church from the beginning and he's wanted it to be this multi-ethnic group of people that come together to glorify him and his ultimate goal 
is seen in Revelation, this, you know, this book that captures the end when it's all going to come together and, and God's plan is, is all tying up. And in Revelation 7 verse 9, it says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is God's vision for the church. And it's going to come to that in the end someday when we're all in his presence, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. But listen, we are called as believers to bring that truth to light now. And so citizens, our church, we want to be a church that goes across boundaries, that is focused on the person of Jesus Christ, and that is united under only one thing, united under the person of Jesus Christ and the gospel message. You see, his death, burial, and resurrection brings us together, and it's for his glory that we are called to that. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for working in our midst. God, thank you for making clear your vision of a multi-ethnic church, a church that is not divided by lines, but Lord, that is brought together under the person of Jesus Christ and by the gospel. So Lord, help us to do that. We know that is hard, Lord. We know that our our sinful nature wants to tear things apart and wants to be self-protecting. But Lord, remind us of the gospel and may we make it a priority so that Jesus is glorified in our midst. In his name we pray. Amen.